It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for joining me this morning. Past week, we celebrated Earth Day, a day when we now pretty much uniformly pause and say, first of all, we're thankful for what we have in the environment. And second of all, how do we make it better? I'm going to touch on that in a second. Last week, I talked a little bit about civility in conservation or the lack thereof or the changes in direction that we seem to be having and just general discourse, and I see it every day in the, in the conservation arena, frankly, just a le- less tolerance for differing opinions. I spent last week talking about it, so I'm not going to talk about it today, except to say that I received a number of responses. So obviously, I hit a chord with several of you, if not many of you, that if we could just tone down the rhetoric a little bit and respect each other's views, in this case, in the conservation environmental arena, we might actually get more done. So Earth Day has been a flashpoint for a long time, created to really, coming out of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring book, the beginning of the movement to recognize the Earth. Uh, It makes me think of the Sand County Foundation, which is dedicated in the memory of Aldo Leopold and his land ethic. And Aldo Leopold one of the fathers of modern conservation, certainly. If he were around today, I would think he would have to be very pleased with what he is seeing as far as the awareness of our populace towards the natural beauty of the world's natural resources. And I say that as a conservationist, which means I come from the belief that we should use our natural resources and use them wisely and use them in a sustainable way. As you know, over the years, hearing me on the show, I am not a lock them up and throw away the key environmentalist at all. I'm a conservationist in the mold of Aldo Leopold and Teddy Roosevelt and Max McGraw, Ding Darling, John Muir, and so many others who believe that we have to manage our natural resources. And one of the things that happens on Earth Day is we tend to forget we need to manage our natural resources, and we, we tend to think more about locking them up and throwing away the key, whether it's forestry management or or whatever type of management it is, whether we secure a piece of property through the state secures a piece of property or or ease conservation easement given. I think there is a separation, and I've said this often, there is a separation between the conservation movement and the environmental movement. They used to be one. I think if Aldo Leopold were alive today, he would say, wait a minute, I'm an environmentalist. I was first and foremost an environmentalist, but in today's definition, I'm a conservationist because I'm not an environmentalist from the point of view, I believe we have to manage our national resources. Sand County Foundation, which is based in Wisconsin, has been the leader in this message that without managing, among the leaders in this message, that without managing our natural resources, we we lose them, and we've always been managing them. So I was thinking this morning about the Environmental Protection Agency, and what the Environmental Protection Agency's role is. And, of course, this all grew out of the Nixon administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the whole awakening of a country to the fact that at that point in time we were were really 
really doing bad things to our environment. And I would say doing much worse things then than we are now. We don't have rivers catching on fire anymore in America. We may have them catching on fire in other parts of the world, but we don't have them catching on fire in America. We've made a remarkable amount of progress since the early 1970s when we created the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act. And and for those who think that we are facing this great environmental crucible, I would offer that a little bit of reflection on history would show just how much we've done to clean up our environment and what progress we've made. So the Environmental Protection Agency is a flashpoint in many circles because it's it's believed to be overreaching. And, and I'm going to offer this morning a thought that perhaps you'll agree with. Uh, if nothing else, it might stimulate some conversation, hopefully in a civil way, around a dining room table or around a meeting room or whatever. And that would be, why do we need the Environmental Protection Agency? And this is built off the belief that as a society, we cause things to change because we as a society demand them, not because some governmental agency should provide an edict. And recently, the Securities and Exchange Commission is working on a climate disclosure rule that would cause companies to disclose what they're doing to the environment. But do we really need that rule? Do we need the government to tell us that company X, company Y, you have to disclose what you're doing to the environment public so that you can be regulated? And it's, this is going from a number of articles, but the Wall Street Journal is, is the one that is most poignant on this. When they say a sweeping U.S. climate disclosure rule is not yet in place, it is sure to face legal challenges when it is, but many companies have begun assessing greenhouse gas emissions long before this rule was, is, is being contemplated. And why do I think this is really important? Because the public decides what products they're going to buy based upon how corporations behave. So if you are a company making a terribly toxic product, consumers are not going to buy your product. They're not going to support your company, and your company's not going to do well. Do we need the government to step in and create a bunch of rules for that company to comply with? When the free market, which we have in America, really pretty much picks the winners and losers, we, we never do well when the government picks winners and losers. We do well when the people of America pick the winners and losers. And I'm not talking politically. I'm talking about with our checkbooks, with how we interact every single day. We choose some products over other products because we like them better, or we like the price points that they're offered better. We drive we go to certain gas stations over other gas stations because we like their gas better. Throughout the entire system, whether it's you're making uh, plastics, whether you're making petrochemicals, whether you're building buildings, it doesn't matter. We don't need the government to regulate who we're going to use because the free market does that on its own and does it really, really well. So in this whole climate disclosure rule, the SEC is is way behind where we are as a society. Companies have been pushing for years, have been pushed for years by their stockholders and their consumers to do things that are good for the environment. And companies that don't do things that are good for the environment are punished by their stockholders and consumers and customers. So the article talks about many companies are being pushed by a variety of groups, some in sustainable-focused 
groups, such as food groups, energy groups, to already change their policies. The government never leads. And, I, and I'm not saying this as an anti-government person, because I'm not. But the government never leads. The government follows. Leadership comes from us, the citizens of the United States, those of us and the residents of the United States, those of us who make decisions every single day on how we're going to act every single day. We don't need the government to drive these decisions. I would offer coming back to the EPA that let the, let the marketplace have the latitude to pick the winners and losers. We are overburdened with regulations. The marketplace will determine whether or not consumers will support companies that are doing bad things for the overall environment or for the health of humanity. And the answer is they won't. We don't need the government to then add a bunch of rules to have those companies comply. And we certainly don't need the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, to create a bunch of climate disclosure laws that companies are going to have to follow at huge expense. And who pays that expense? We, the consumer, pay that expense. Don't, don't think these costs don't get passed to us. They get passed to us directly. All the labeling that we have on products, all the costs that are in, involved with all of the things that are needed to comply with government regulations, those are costs that companies bear, and companies pass those on to consumers. And stockholders, as a result, have don't do as well when companies are overburdened with regulations. I think in today's world of communications, it's very easy for us to find out who's doing well for the environment and who's not. And let us make our own decisions. It might have been something 40 years ago when you could hide behind things and there wasn't this completely transparent world we live in where you can get access. And I, and I say this believing that we should have true access to know what's in our food, but we don't need regulations to be put on companies to have them spend a lot of money to comply with SEC regulations. If, if individuals want to invest in companies, they'll do that on their own, make their own marketplace decisions. So I think the SEC is really chasing a train that's already left. ExxonMobil is a great example. They already report all of their emissions in their annual reports. This isn't required. Walmart has come out, and they, dis they disclose all of their environmental impacts. Companies are doing this on their own. The energy industry is way out in front of the government regulators that are informing consumers is what's taking place. Even companies like Salesforce, they track their emissions, and they report it to the public as to what their emissions are because their shareholders demand that they do that. So I guess enough on this, but the thought would be let's not – continue to go into an era of ever overreaching government with regulations coming from the SEC or the EPA. Let's let the marketplace decide a bit more. We're, we're smart enough. Americans can figure things out. We don't need to have be burdened with, with regulations and, and edicts uh, coming down on companies. I think that we'll do just fine in picking the winners and losers. And as it happens, when that happens, We'll also spend less money doing so because the costs won't be so burdensome on companies to produce a bunch of regulations that, in fact, they're already complying, they're already doing on their own because the public demands it. 
When I come back from a break, I will talk a little bit about the Corps of Engineers and flooding and maybe touch quickly on another topic if I have time. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And I'm sorry my first segment went a little long. I apologize. I'll have to cut this one shorter. A topic to be uh, discussed at another day in greater depth. But the U.S. government and municipalities around the country are beginning to look at low-lying areas that are increasingly being flooded. And the U.S. military is doing this in advance of their belief that sea rise is going to have a big impact on a number of their naval bases. And as I was reading a bunch of material on this and attending a meeting the other day, it occurred to me, are these costs, which are in the billions and billions of dollars, are these costs worthwhile, or is it simply going to be more effective to relocate? And in this case, one of the lowest-lying, highest-risk flood areas is the Chesapeake Bay area of Maryland and into Virginia way down on the peninsula, the lower, the lower Chesapeake and in the North Carolina. We are going to spend literally billions of dollars on infrastructure building seawalls, raising roads, putting out revetments, building retention ponds for communities where land is not very valuable and houses are not very valuable. Would it be better to say, if we're going to have sea rise, These communities, as hard as it is to say, these communities are better off moving further inland than trying to stop an inevitability if, in fact, we are going to have sea rise. And we have had sea rise. It's measuring a few inches, but a few inches in the ocean means a lot. And when it comes to storm surge, and you can just start drawing a map from the coast of Maine all the way around, all the way through the Gulf down to Texas, and the same is true in California and up, the, and up the Pacific coast, but much more so in the southeast where there's a lot of low-lying areas. So the, the real question, I think, is before we agree as taxpayers that we're going to try to save every community along our coast, communities that were always in harm's way from flooding and hurricanes, but now seem to be increasingly so from two things, subsidence. A lot of these areas have been subsiding since the beginning of time, and they continue to. 
and the perhaps inevitable rise of sea level, which which is unquestionable. In some areas, the sea has risen by several inches over the past hundred years. Do we just say it's not going to work? We don't have enough money, and your house is worth, I'm going to make up a number, $250,000, but we're going to spend a million dollars trying to protect that $200,000 asset? Does that make sense to the rest of the country that doesn't live in these areas? Uh, I don't know the answer, but I think it's a discussion that we certainly ought to have because it's it's one that communities are con- continuously looking to the federal government to say, help us, help us fight rising sea level. It's your responsibility to fight sea level. And in the case of Norfolk, uh, Virginia, the, the sea level rise is about three inches over the last 30 years, if, if what I've been told is correct, and it's projected to be another three inches in the next 20 years, that's, that's six inches of sea rise. That's a lot in an area that's low-lying. may not seem a lot when you think about a, when you think about a yardstick, that six inches in the ocean is a lot. But they're going to spend literally just tens of billions of dollars trying to save Norfolk, Virginia. There isn't ten billions of dollars, of billions of dollars of infrastructure there to be saved. Yes, we have a big military base, so it's the U.S. government that is actually driving this, and uh, they're, they're out front saying the military base could be threatened. Well, that, that's a strategic importance to our country, but maybe, I hate to say it, maybe the military base isn't in the right place anymore. Maybe it never was in the right place. It was a convenient place to start with, but maybe it's not in the right place in the future. And the thousands of houses in that part of the world People chose to live there, whether they chose to live there because of jobs or they just chose to live there. The numbers, if you do a back-of-the-envelope analysis, the numbers don't add up, and they don't add up in a lot of places. So that's my thought for the day. Before we go off on this climate change spending binge, let's think about the risk-reward. And there are areas of the country, difficult as the political decisions are going to be, that we simply have to say, I'm sorry, the money is not worth it. The the orange the squeeze coming out of the orange juice is not worth it because it's too expensive to to save these areas as opposed to what they're valued at today. Contentious thought, but one we shouldn't be a shy, shy of having it again, having it in a civil discourse way. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the out, great outdoors show. This is Charlie Potter. Have a great week in the great outdoors.